Welcome to The Truth in Us Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege and pleasure of speaking with owner-operator of Fishnet. Please welcome Kia Yauchin. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. It's, it's it's like, you know, speaking to culinary royalty, you know, so that's a plus. And I want to um, I want to start off um, with having you kind of like introduce yourself so that the listeners get a get, get your take, how you're going to present yourself and what got you into the food and beverage industry. Okay. So yeah, my name is Kia Yelchin. I'm the owner of Fishnet. I've had Fishnet um, for over 10 years. Uh, this will be our 11th year. Um, we've been in Baltimore for about two and a half years and Baltimore has been amazing to us. I'm actually from here, uh, but Fishnet was located in College Park uh, for eight years in DC. Uh, we had one there for about four or five years. And so um, Fishnet is Yes, new to Baltimore, but not new to the food scene. We've uh, been around. And I got to hospitality because I was, you know, some of you have that luxury of being talented, you know, when you're growing up. Some people are like, oh, you know, he's going to be an amazing pianist. Like, I was not like that, you know. I was really good at talking to people. Like, that was my talent. Yeah. But that's not a talent, right? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't a talent that I foresaw making money, you know, and um, I would just, you know, I'm, I love to talk to people. And so that was my thing. And, um, you know, I didn't want to get a communications degree, um, you know, because I don't know, I just didn't see the job options. And so I would go to business school. Right. And I'm like, oh, I might as well just major in hospitality management because I love talking to people. And that's hospitality, isn't it? Um <laughs> So, yes, I go to Howard. I major in um, hospitality management and meet my husband while working in a restaurant. And thus begins my love affair with food and beverage and hospitality. (laughs) Couple takeaways. Uh, One, I I make money off of talking about with my. No, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Very, very similar thing. I I was a business school uh, and did a bachelor's of science. Instead of like marketing, like I, I didn't really recognize I had the gift of gab until it was like a little too late. And I was hanging around with the marketing people and hanging around with the hospitality management folks. But I was just like, yeah, I'm doing the analytics. Like what's the behind the scenes business stuff? Because I'm I'm 6'4 and I'm very gangly at times. So it's like, yeah, get this, get this like a slender man out of here. Can we can we just like have him behind the scenes, behind a wall, behind a computer, getting it in? Um, and also, um, the way you were describing, like, like meeting your husband was very, um, rom-com-ish. It's like, yeah, we met in a restaurant full circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, we are, my husband and I, we've been married for 16 years. Um, so we're like the old married couple, but we're young. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, and you know, it's great. Like we were, you know, in our early, early 20, I I probably just turned like 21 when we got married and we were in our early twenties and you know how you are. You're just, you're dreaming about the life that you want to build for yourself and all the things you want. And, you know, and I I was dreaming with my partner and we were going to open these restaurants. And at the time, you know, five guys is popping up everywhere. Like five guys is 
the new hot thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's funny because Five Guys has been a lot of years from the new hot thing. But like at the time, it was the new hot thing. They're popping up everywhere. It's a great concept. It's got a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, okay, well, let's, you know, um, let's open a, a fast, casual, you know, place. But it can't be burgers because there's burgers everywhere. Right. Um, and he was like, well, let's do fish because my husband's from Istanbul. So their street food is balak ekmek, which is like a fish sandwich. Right. And he's like, oh, you know, let's do fish sandwiches. And I'm like, well, I have fish sandwiches too. I come from a tradition of fish, yeah. but my fish sandwich doesn't look like your fish sandwich. <laughs> and so, you know, fishnet was this like melding of, of concepts, right? It's the same thing, but it's different. And so um, fishnet, the evolution of fishnet has definitely been the journey of, you know, like East meets West and mm-hmm. how do you find common ground? Like what's, what's essential from each, you know, culture um, and each tradition and how do you take that and create something that's, that feels new and innovative, but is still like steeped in tradition. Yeah, it, it's 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 keying in. I think food is one of those vehicles that you you have experience with it outside. It's many things outside of the actual consumption of food and bev that factor into it. It's the experience that is attached to it. Like when I have that bomber, it reminds me of the fish sandwiches I used to have as a kid or what have you. And that and, and that's the memory that's attached there. And I am a creature of habit, so that's literally what I get every time. Yeah, probably you know probably get the potato salad. Probably get I get many. <laughs> things but my point is <laughs> but I, I i think you this kind of melding of different different cultures different backgrounds different styles of food and also things that have like kind of a connection to to the past and to the present what have you just like hits on so many different feelings and i think food has an emotional component to it um and you know i just i just go back to like going to like restaurants or what have you let me get a sub sandwich and let, me, and let me get a fish sub sandwich or something on those lines. That's that's the vibe I'm getting. And those are the flavors, but done in a very, very, very like great way. It's like this is yeah. elevated. And that's what I'm what I'm seeing there. So in that, um, t- tell me tell me more about like the recipes and how some of those came together. Where was it like a test kitchen situation? Was it something that was handed down? And then it was like, all right, let me let me make this my own. Tell me about that process. Yeah, I mean, you know, so fishnet, my my husband's a chef. um, And so a lot of these recipes that we have are, you know, we've been we've been working with them for years, you know, a decade at this point. Um, But then a lot of them, you know, at this point, I'm, you know, running the the restaurant. I'm at the helm. The Baltimore fishnet is really my interpretation of what we've done all these years. Um, uh, you know, my husband took a, br- has taken a break from the business. And so it's, it's all me. It's all your girl right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so really, um, I'm not a chef, um, but I'm a really good listener. Right. And, um, I'm really good at, t- at remembering and talking to people. And so, um, you know, I, food, is about memory, right? Food just yeah. at its best, food reminds you of a time when, right? At its best. And so I think because I understand that and I've had, we've eaten a lot, like, you know, my husband has exposed me to some of the 
best food in the world, right? And I've just, you know, had so much access to, to different flavor palettes and good food and different methods and of, of cooking that, you know, I know when something's hitting. <laughs> I know yeah. what is right. I know what is hidden. Um, and, you know, I may not be in the kitchen, but I, you know, we know when we have a winner. And so we come up with these things um, that maybe harken back to, you know, my childhood in Baltimore. Salmon croquettes. We all remember, you know, if you're yeah. from this area, mom or grandma in the kitchen with the canned salmon, um, yeah. lake trout, you know, that's another thing. Uh, maybe back in the day, some of you all went to Long John Silver. It was like a huge chain when I was a kid. And so there's these things that we we remember that remind us of things that I want to create. However, I take all the the foodiness, the fine dining technique, um, you know, that my husband brought, which I think is like the soul of it. Like we don't have a freezer. We don't have a microwave. Everything we get comes in like raw form. You know, we're not buying coleslaw we start with cabbage you know and so just some of that intention and really um you know the reverence from food this the soul of food um comes from him but you know just having my ear towards what what people want comes from you know my my outlook on the business and and that's just a, a a combination that works very well there. And I, I'm, I'm noticing we're we're about the same age because everything that you mentioned, I was like, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like my mom would always take us to Long John Silver's. It's like, I'll yeah. get these hush puppies real quick. Yes. And let's do that real quick. And she's a person that like it's you know how it's that one that one dish that regardless of where you go, it's like I need mom's salmon cakes. It's always yeah. that. It's always that. Um, so I, I, this, this is kind of related to this. We, we'll, we'll come back to, to the biz in a moment, but I want to get your, your take on this. Um, so you being that you're, you're from here, what have you, and then moving, moving back and kind of bringing the business here and all of that. Um, what are, what are some of the things that you feel like define like a culture, what have you, because obviously in doing this podcast, this is really like showing and highlighting, amplifying, if you will, and telling stories related to Baltimore from Baltimoreans. So I want to get an idea from your perspective, like what defines like a culture, you can make it as specific to Baltimore if you like, but what really defines a culture and like, how is Baltimore with regard to culture? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's a wonderful, interesting question that um, can be answered in many, many different ways. And so I think for me, um, what defines a culture is a perspective, right? And that, you know, it's, it's the idea of... Um, you know, what my husband and I looked at early on fish sandwiches, like it's very simple on the surface. Okay. This is, this is my fish sandwich and this is, you know, my fish sandwich, but what that means to us is defined by our cultural perspective and our cultural experience with it. And then even if you take it a layer deeper, it it has to do with the history. So, you know, um, why are we doing the things that we do with food? And, you know, for me, culture, there's so many lessons to be learned in the kitchen and at the table and stuff like that. I think that's one of the most important interactions for sharing culture and sharing perspectives and ideas. Right. Um, and so I think, um, you know, why we do the things we do, um, 
you know, kind of forms our culture and forms that um, and, and helps us form that for ourselves. And then we take that perspective and it it just goes into everything else we do. And that's why, you know, Baltimore has its own flavor versus if you go to D.C., it has another flavor sure. um, because the the decisions are informed by the experiences and the perspective. Thank you. That's that's great. Um yeah, I, I, I want to have like as, as that article came out, it's like having Baltimoreans tell their story. You know, we speak for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so share a piece of advice that you would provide to someone you've been in it, you know, for for 16, you know, uh, you know, out, out there, you know, well, well for, for married for 16, but uh, in the fishnet biz for for 10, almost 11. So mm-hmm. share a piece of advice you would provide to someone who's interested in working in hospitality. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, hospitality is a wonderful business. There's lots of different things that you can do in it. Um, If you specifically want to be in hospitality entrepreneurship, um, I think, you know, someone told me this a long time ago, but I see the importance of it. Your why has to be really strong. So um, why you're doing something has to be big enough that it can withstand the ups and downs um, that businesses go through, right? Um, And sometimes there'll be ups and downs that you cause. Sometimes there'll be ups and downs that you can't control. And so I think, you know, the most important thing is to to stay consistent. When I started this business, like many 20-somethings, you know, I thought I was going to be successful within the year, you know, and I thought, you know, it wasn't going to take that long for things to be all right, because surely, you know, I was the exception. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, I'm I'm the exception. But the reality is that, you know, most businesses, they take years, like more than five. You know, Fishnet is, has found its sea legs recently, and we've been in business for 10 years, you know, and, and by, the, by the time we get to, you know, reach 20 years, if we get to reach it, will probably be an overnight success, right? So it's like, um, I think that, you know, things take a long time um, for most people. And just kind of feeling that reality, I think, will make, you know, people a little more committed to the process and in the end, over time, make them successful. Absolutely. And and, and there's a an art component there where, you know, I've been doing the thing that I've been doing for 13 years. And, you know, I was talking with one of my buddies who's like, yeah, I started painting 13 years ago. He's like, people are just starting to notice what I'm doing. And he's like, you know, a lot of people don't know what's baked into, you know, what that end product looks like. It's like, this is why I charge this much, or this is why things may go in a certain way, because I've been doing it for a long time. So it's a lot of experience and skill and these different things embedded into what that finished product looks like. It's not just just yeah. painting on canvas. It's, you know, years of experience and, you know, a lot of different things that, that come into play and people don't see it. But when you look under the hood, you're like, oh, wow, you've been doing it for how long? This was the original logo? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think um, it's, it, you know, entrepreneur. people just don't tell the truth, right? <laughs> like there's no other way to put it. People just don't tell the truth. And so I think it's, it's important for those of us 
who, you know, are at the top of our game in career or are successful entrepreneurs or, you know, have done something successfully to tell the truth. Because I think what happens is you have, you know, someone who's watching in the wings who you don't even realize they want to do what you're doing. Maybe they want to be you. And yeah. if you don't tell the truth, you can kind of, you know, kill something before it starts, you know, because they think, oh, well, it's not it's not going well <laughs> mm-hmm. because it didn't happen for me in the first year. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I do just to help and maybe it's a little selfish, but I hate listening to bad podcasts. So I make it my duty to help people make good ones. And <laughs> I'm like, look, just look, can you, you're muddying up for the rest of us. Let me help you do this better. And, yeah. and there's a little selfishness there. But also it's like, how can you be of service to people who are really trying to do it? And I framed it. I've done coaching at Hopkins. I've done coaching at Morgan of like, you know, how can I like learn from my mistakes? Cause I've made them all. And, you know, that's my thing of like really trying to give back and, you know, provide something that is helpful to people, but something that I know, and it's kind of an easy lift for me, if you will. Um, Yeah. So, what are you, what, what, in your opinion, because you, you have you have two you have a unique spot, whereas you're in the you're in the hospitality industry, you're an entrepreneur, you're a Baltimorean. So what are what is the most inter, what are some of the most interesting traits about the food culture in Baltimore? So I, I would say there's a lot um, that I find appealing about Baltimore and being an entrepreneur here. I think the people here are genuine. Right. And so, yes, you do get you know, folks who are outrageous, right? But for the most part, um, you will get people who will give you honest feedback if you ask them. You know, if I asked, when I was in D.C., I could ask someone, how was it? They, they say, oh, it's amazing. And that same person could turn around and walk, you know, write the worst <laughs> Yelp review or whatever of all time because they just don't want to have that interaction. Whereas in Baltimore, they'll just tell me, right? Seems <laughs> pretty whack. Tell me, like that was whack. <laughs> or we don't drink unsweetened iced tea here, ma'am. You know, like, it's just like, they will tell you. And I think you can, if you're really open, um, to it, you can really get to the point faster. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was able to really just craft some good stuff just by listening to what people said and deciphering, you know, like if it was genuine or if it was coming from somewhere crazy. But, you know, just really listening to what people said um, and taking that feedback objectively and incorporating it. And we, you know, over the past two years, I've been able to create something um, that's really, really done well. And it's what people seem to want. And so, yeah. Yeah. Listening is, is important. I've been hearing that a lot from, I guess, the caliber of of guests I've been speaking with um, regularly and not that the others haven't, but it's been more of a, a focal point of, especially here, if you want buy-in, if you want people to like really advocate for you, it's like, they got to hear like they're being, feel like they're being heard. Um, because if it's just like, Oh, I'm just doing this for myself. It's like, you're selling these things, aren't you? You're, you're in business, aren't you? So, and I think, 
we also hear, at least I can speak for myself, we all have, I think, discerning palates here. So it'll just tell you, like, I don't know, it's a little off. Seasoning's a little little wrong there. But, um, yeah, I like, I like that you're, you're using those, those skills that you've cultivated and applying those and doing very well in it and kind of marrying with your husband. That, that works really, really well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a, a really interesting journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't always been an easy one, um, but it's it's been very worthwhile. That's great. So I got two more real questions and then I got some sure. ridiculous uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, so I, I have to hear this. Uh, what is your most memorable meal? Like the who's, the what's, the where's, because I feel like you're a culinary traveler. You were describing a little bit of that earlier. So, you know, what what comes to mind for a memorable meal for you? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things I was um, in California, I was somewhere near L.A. And this is 15 plus years ago. And I remember having um, a tuna tartare. And it was the first time I had tuna tartare had avocado in it. Of course, it's rare tuna. It's got some sesame rolling through it. And it was just um, one of the most memorable meals that I've ever had. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. You know, I, I couldn't tell you like what year it was exactly, but I remember this tuna tartare and how, um, it just transformed the possibilities of what I had eaten before. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know that food could be like that, that it could taste like that, that it could have, you know, that, that flavor profile. And so, you know, it was just a wonderful introduction. And it's so funny because my husband and I are such foodies. We talk about memories in terms of, Oh, do you remember when we went there or when we ate that and, you know, that's kind of what, what jogs our memory. And so we had lots of those experiences over the years. We were just talking with a friend of ours recently about how, um, you know, in the, the mid 2000s in D.C., there were these great restaurants on the scene and that, you know, sometimes restaurants are about the moment. Right. You had to be in that mm-hmm. place in that moment to get it. We were talking specifically about this restaurant in D.C. called Palena, um, which was, you know, a chef owner. She was amazing. Um, and so you just kind of got to be there. You know, it's like people from the 90s talking about going to Republic Gardens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of had to be there. <laughs> Like it was a vibe and it was a vibe for like six months. And then it's like, look, you, you missed out. You had to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I recently read that mastering smaller details helps with confidence when you, you inevitably run into like a roadblock. Um, do you agree with this? And how do you strengthen your confidence as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Like if you don't get the small things right, you don't get the big things right. And so um, as an entrepreneur, I've always made it a priority to be disciplined in the small things and in the mundane, you know, like um, majoring in the minor sometimes. Um, And so it's, it's the little things that no one sees, that no one thinks of that help to create an experience, you know, it's almost like Legos, right? Where you're putting one block in the place and, and then you step back and you, you have a structure, but really it was done, you know, one important block at a time. And so I think that, you know, that is so true. And 
if if you aren't comfortable doing the detailed work or doing the work that nobody sees, um, you should definitely question your commitment mm-hmm. to the the larger, more glamorous item. <laughs> Yeah. And for a moment, I thought when you were describing Legos that you were going to say you step back, you step on one, and then you yell (laughs) a bunch of four-letter words, and then you look at like, oh, this is what I've done. (laughs) Yes, that part too. But yeah, it's 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 so true. Like when um, I do this, like you know, I'm I try to theme out the the months, right? And I may have something that I've done. I may have done an interview, let's say in November, and I'm like, look, this is going to come out, you know, at a time that it kind of makes sense or what have you, unless there's something really pressing that I could help promote for you. But I got a theme, I got a process that I'm operating in. So all of those kind of intermediary steps, like going through and making sure things are structured from an SEO perspective, writing like bios and stuff is much more than putting on a mic and talking with someone and then getting off and like, wow, done for the day. And I can do like this. It's it's much more than that. So being able to try to be consistent and do good work in those kind of intermediary steps. And I'm I'm a big picture thinker. So it's sometimes a challenge for me, but it's just like, you know, you're going to come back to this eventually. So you should just do it right right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing I learned along the way. There are no shortcuts. <laughs> there are just things that come back to bite you later. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So so with that being said, um, all of the goodwill, right, that I've established over the last half an hour or so, I'm going to get mm-hmm. rid of all of it. I'm going to ruin all of it with these rapid fire questions. Sounds amazing. All right. Let's do it. So this is the first one. Uh, what are three ingredients that are always in your home refrigerator? Butter. Eggs, flour. Okay. Okay. You, you answered that with a lot of confidence. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> um, what is the last song that you played? Last song that I played, RuPaul Supermodel. Strong. You better work, girl. Hell work yeah. it, girl. <laughs> what is the strangest thing you've ever done as an entrepreneur? The strangest thing I've ever done is actually continue keep moving forward right (laughs) i mean against against some you know crazy odds like i still find it i find it peculiar that i've gotten to this point because there were some tough things i had to move through so see so i've heard i had somebody it's it's had someone say look i've put on a chicken costume to sew (laughs) to sew cars i was like wow this is very specific uh So this here's the last one. Um, because the, the foodie thing is a through line I'm hearing. I'm also a fellow foodie, so shout out. You know, we're in the same tribe. Uh, what is your favorite secret menu item? At Fishnet or in general? I mean, if there's a, I mean, in general, but also throw that Fishnet one out because you know I'm going to be there like looking for the the secret menu item. Yeah, the the secret menu item. Um, that I mean, well, now we put it on the menu as of like yesterday. It's like up in bright lights, but it, it's the real MVP, the sandwich that you just got to know about it, and it's it's amazing. Okay. Um, but what would I say? My, uh, my favorite secret menu item. It's gonna be whatever you know the restaurants have for kids. I have kids. Uh-huh. And so they always come out with, uh, you know, I have some buttered noodles in the back. And we can throw <laughs> some Parmesan on it. And it turns out, you know, the secret menu item is always like 
banging because it's something that the chef or whoever's in the kitchen is a sure thing. They know it's good. They know, you know, even kids are going to eat it. Um, and it's done with so much care. So it's always from the kids' menu. <laughs> no, I, I dig that. I dig that. Um, I've seen, like, I think McDonald's recently added something that was secret menu items and they were promoting it. It was like whatever the, I think it was like the land, air, and sea. It was like a chicken wop. It's like a chicken Big Mac and. Maybe the fish sandwich is, is a triple decker. And I was like, that's a bit much. It's a bit spit over the top. And sounds sounds suspect. Uh very suspect. I, I think it's in a lineup. It's not great. <laughs> so with that being said, one, um, we're, we're done. That's all the questions I got. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to really highlight anything you feel like we've missed and um, tell the fine folks where to check you out and check out Fishnet. Yeah, definitely. Um, Fishnet is located in downtown Baltimore, 520 Park Avenue inside uh, the Mount Vernon Marketplace. And you can follow us on Instagram. We have lots of really fun things coming up. Um, By the time this airs, I'm sure the Catfish Po' Boy will be in play. And that is just a very special sandwich. (laughs) It's a very, very special sandwich. That's all I'm going to say. It's amazing. Um, but it's it's just done differently than anything we have out there. So look for that catfish po' boy. And um, we're, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at eatfishnet. Um, and you'll see all the other exciting things that we do. And make sure you come check us out because we were voted one of Baltimore's best 38 restaurants recently. Love to hear it. So, again, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And thank I'll you. wrap up. Yeah. Um, okay, Perfect. I'm Rob Lee saying that there's food in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 